Neither the radio people of Dothan or 106.7 KMX will be held liable for the results of downloading and listening to this podcast. You must listen at your own risk. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of The Haunting of the Wiregrass. Today I'm interviewing Dale, and he is going to tell us the story behind Bill Esquito's Hole in Newton, Alabama. First, Dale, tell us your role and how are you associated with Bill Skeeto's Hole? Well, I just became interested in it um, a long time ago. heard this story growing up here in the Wiregrass area and had always heard about Skeeto's Hole and visited it a number of times. And then I'm a historian, so I thought I would uh, look into the story and see if I could find the truth behind it. And I have a number of friends in the Newton area who for many years were involved with the reenactments there and things like that. And so with their help, uh, we kind of got to the bottom of what the story, you know, behind Skeeter's Hole was. Tell us the history behind Bill Skeeto himself. Skeeto was a uh, was a farmer who lived in Dale County, Alabama. He also was a uh, was a Methodist minister, and in those days, uh, as are many ministers today, it was a part time job, and his primary job was farming. And that's what he did for a living. And then he did some preaching on the side. He had moved into the area well before the Civil War. And he lived in Dale County. He basically never, as far as the records indicate, never served in the Confederate Army or in the Union Army during the Civil War, uh, which is a little bit of a departure from the legend about him. There's no record on either side to indicate that he ever served in the Army. He was taken prisoner by a Confederate conscription company in the winter of 1864-1865. He was tried in Newton, and he was hanged. He was hung in Newton, right? Newton, Alabama? Yes, that is correct. He he was uh, tried at uh, the courthouse in Newton, which no longer stands, but it stood on the square there in Newton. And then they took him across the old bridge, which spanned the river there, just about where the where the bridge does today, very near that site. They took him across the river to an old oak tree that was there, and they strung him up from the oak tree. Why was he hung? Was it just because he was a prisoner? Yeah, the, the accusation against him was that he was providing aid and comfort to the enemy, which in this case would have been the United States Army. The allegation was that he was captured coming back from an area where a group of uh, Union deserters or Union soldiers were operating down in what is now Geneva County. Now, the the family story that's told about him is that he had a sick wife, he had gone to obtain medicine for her, and was on his way back home with medicine you know, for her. The allegation that uh, the Confederate government made against him was that he was coming from an area where these the deserters or uh, Union soldiers were operating, and that the only reason you know, that he would possibly have had for being in that area was that uh, he was providing assistance to them, and they had just made a raid against a Confederate uh, ammunition wagon. And so he was accused of providing, you know, aid and comfort to them. Uh, He was given not much of a trial. It would be basically what would be considered um, kind of a drumhead court-martial, they would call it today, which means that he was found guilty before he was ever tried. 
um, and then he was hanged as an example. In those days, they would uh, display your body after the fact. That's what happened with him. His body was displayed at the courthouse in Newton after he was hanged as an example to anyone else who might consider going down into that area where these deserters were supposed to be operating. And what is the significance behind Skeeto's Hole? Well, it, it's an interesting story. The, the legend is that um, when they started to hang Bill Skeeto, uh, that Skeeto was a very tall man. Now, very tall in those days and very tall today are, are very different things. You know, Skeeto was a bit over six feet tall, but in those days, the average person, you know, was five, 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 six. When they hanged Skeeto, his feet were still dragging the ground, and so he could use his toes and push up, and it was it was keeping him from strangling to death, which was their goal with him. And so one of the men involved in the hanging was on crutches from a wound he had received in one of the battles of the Civil War, and he used the crutch to dig out a hole under Skeeto's feet so that Skeeto would eventually strangle to death from the rope and, and die. And the story that originated very soon after this incident is that something supernatural or paranormal was taking place out there underneath this oak tree at night. And you could fill this hole with debris and come back the next morning and it would be swept clean. And the legend is that it was, you know, Bill Skeeto's ghost who was swinging back and forth across that hole and his feet would swing across the hole, and if you filled it with straw or twigs or sticks, his feet would swing across there and sweep the hole clean each night. Interesting. Have you tried to fill Skeeto's hole? Well, yeah, I did. Uh, we, <laughs> I went out there in the years before uh, the hole was covered uh, as it is today. We filled it with pine straw, which was, was you know, uh, plentiful that area. And went away and came back the next morning and the pine straw was gone. And I can tell you, we walked back under there where, and it was under a bridge, you walked back under there expecting, you know, the pine straw you left there. And we had told no one that we were going to be down there. And when we went back down there and that hole was swept clean, it did send a little bit of a chill down down your spine to walk down there and see that hole swept clean the next morning. So, yes, I've tried it, and I've heard stories from a number of other people who did. Unfortunately, during the big Elba floods back in the 1980s, the highway bridge there, the water uh, from the Chonkahatchee River began to undercut that bridge. Alabama DOT had to pile large rocks in there. It covered up Skeeto's hole, and unfortunately, Bill Skeeto's feet are not strong enough, I guess, to, to knock those big granite rocks out of the way. But I believe that underneath those rocks, you know, Skeeto's hole is probably still down there. So, like, if I went to go visit, would I be able to find the hole, or would the rocks still be covering it and everything? Yeah, the rocks still cover it. Now, um, in the little park there by the bridge, there is a replica of Skeeto's hole that the, that the town created so that people would have something to see when they went down there, and there's a sign there that will tell you the story of Skeeto's Hole. But the actual hole was underneath today's highway bridge, where the highway bridge goes over the river, and you can't tell where it is. If you look closely underneath there, you'll see a, a piece of cable that sticks up, and that's the cable that originally surrounded Skeeto's Hole. The original uh, marker that uh, was there at the hole is in the little museum that is at the library in Newton. And when you went to visit Skeeto's Hole, 
when you tried to fill it, did you feel like a sense that like his presence was there? Did you I know you said when you went back the next day you had chills, but did you feel any weird feelings at all? No, not the night that we went there. We didn't have any any sensation at all. Yeah, I knew the story very well. And so we tried to make it a little bit easy for him just by putting some twigs and pine straw in there, assuming that by that point, you know, Skeeto's been hanging around literally for um, 120 to 130 years or so. But when we went back the next morning and that hole was empty, and to our knowledge, no one knew we had been down there, then I did, definitely. But the night before, no. Do you have any other, like, historical documentation about other huntings around the area that you know of? Yeah, there are some great stories around the area. Uh, one of my favorite um, is in uh, Jackson County, you know, um, about 20 miles south of Dothan is the story of Bellamy Bridge, which is a story that goes back to the 1830s. And it's the story of a young woman named Elizabeth Bellamy who haunts an area around Bellamy Bridge, which is uh, there's a nature trail that leads down there off Highway 162, which intersects with US 231. It's a little bit underwater right now because of the flooding, but hopefully by Halloween it'll be all dried out again and people will be able to walk down there. But the story there is that uh, she uh, burned to death on her wedding night is the legend. The real story is not quite the same, but they both agree that uh, for well over 175 years her ghost has haunted the area around that bridge and in the swamps around that bridge and continues to do so today and I've seen literally hundreds of photographs that have been taken down in those swamps of some type of strange blue light that people photograph down there. Do you believe Uh, the story? There's something down there. There is definitely, you know, a historical background of the story. I have found newspaper articles referring to the ghost all the way back into the late 1800s. So it's probably one of the oldest recorded ghost stories in the area. The other oldest ghost story in the area is out of Columbia. This is probably another of my favorites. It's the story of Columbia's paranormal pig. Apparently, during the late 1800s in Columbia, they had a a demon pig that would roam the streets of town, scaring people. Huh. A demon pig. I've never heard of that before. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good story. Um, Apparently, it was a pig with a cape on two feet that would run around town. And if you tried to stand up to it, it would literally run right through you. It received a lot of coverage in the Columbia newspaper back in those days. And Columbia was a pretty swinging town back then. It was a, you know, riverboats on the Chattahoochee River stopped there. And it was a fairly large town still then. It still had a courthouse and all of that. And Dothan was just becoming a fledgling city then. Even the town marshal tried to sand it down and shoot it and the pig ran right through him. People believed it was protecting some kind of hidden treasure that had been buried around town. But it created quite a bit of terror in Columbia through the course of a winter. Whether the pig still roams the streets of Columbia or not, I don't know, but it was a uh, it was quite a story and, and got a lot of coverage in the Columbia newspaper uh, for several months. So is the demon pig, is it still about then? Like, obviously, the ghost, it wouldn't still be alive, but... Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know if their paranormal pig is there or not. You know how Dothan has the peanuts all around town. I really think they should put up statues of paranormal pigs all over Columbia. I just think that would be awesome. I don't know if he's there or not, but he should be. That's about all I can say about him. 
But I think it's a great story, and it and it is a documented historical story that people were seeing some kind of ghost pig uh, all over Colombia. So yeah, I've never yeah, heard of the demon pig. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the first one I had ever heard of. But you know, the story of the of Amityville ghost that uh, you know got so much attention. That ghost appeared as a pig also, but this one was you know a hundred years before that. That's kind of that's kind of neat, I think. Um, and people were definitely terrified of something over there 125 years ago, whatever it was. I wonder what possessed the pig to do this stuff. <laughs> A demon? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the pig was like, I've had enough of you people. I'm going to barbecue you for a change. You know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. Um, yeah, there are other. There are a lot of other stories around the, um, uh, um, you know, the Rawls Hotel and, and Enterprise is famously haunted. There are several ghost stories around both and throughout the Foster Street area. There are there are several buildings that are said to be haunted, and I've heard a number of stories around there. The old church uh, building out at Landmark Park, security officer out there told me that. He was passing by one night and stopped, and he heard singing coming out of the church. And he decided quickly that he did not need to investigate it further and moved on down the road. Um, and so, you know, you hear a lot of stories like that from this area. So there are there are quite a few hauntings around, and especially when you get into some of these older towns around the area, like Columbia and Mariana and and Fort Gaines and some of these towns that are 200 years old, there are there are a lot of ghost stories uh, in the region. I wonder why there are so many ghost stories around the Wiregrass area. Well, you know, it's I think it's kind of a southern tradition that any house that's over 50 years old has to have a ghost in it. Um, but another part of it is it, it, it's just in a very old region. It's been settled a long time, and before that you had... You know, Creek Indian uh, history and culture here, which which deals a lot with spirits and ghosts and things of that nature. And uh, there are just a lot of stories associated with ghosts and with hauntings and, and things like that in the region. It's an interesting part of culture, and I think it also dates back to the days, you know, prior to uh, modern technology and radio and, and the Internet and all of those things when uh, people would sit around by the fire telling each other, you know, stories, and, and they would repeat these stories uh, to each other, and that's how they, they were handed down to us. And because it's an old area, you know, a lot of stories survive from um, houses and towns and communities that are very old. Uh, so that's probably a lot of the reason why. Some of the other famous uh, haunted sites around the area are the Russ House in Mariana, which is their visitor center. Uh, is an old uh, Victorian mansion, and the ghosts are in there constantly moving things around and doing things like that. There are uh, the Florida Caverns, the caves at Florida Caverns State Park are haunted. Uh, there's a neighborhood adjoining the uh, Ghost and Country Club that is famous for supposedly having been built atop a, a Pauper's Field Cemetery. And uh, I lived there for a while and, and definitely had spooky things happening in my house, and I've heard many other people talk about that too. And the first thing all of my neighbors asked me is if I'd seen the man in my house. And absolutely, you know, there were, there were strange things that went on in there. So there are a lot of lot of stories in the area, and uh, I'm sure after you know after people hear this, you're going to hear many other stories too. 
What type of things would happen in your house? Like, what was the man? Like, what t- type of things did he do? Well, the, the, the first thing that happened when I moved into that house was a day or so after I moved in, a lady who lived across the street knocked on the door just, you know, kind of to say hello and welcome to the neighborhood. And then she immediately asked me if I'd seen a man in a dark suit in, in the house. And I was like, no. Um, and she said, you know, and she just very simply said, you will. And my sister visited a couple of days later, and as she was leaving the next day, she said, by the way, there's, like, something strange going on in your living room. And I'm like, what, you, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I woke up during the night, and I could swear there was, like, a guy standing in there. And he had on a dark suit, and he just kind of stood in the corner looking at me. And the longer I lived in that house, the more these stories went on. Everyone who visited or spent the night had a story like that about the house. And I began to see this guy out of the corner of my eye as well. It turned out that everyone on that street um, had the same type stories. Uh, supposedly, when they built this neighborhood, there was a, um, a pauper's field, uh, which, you know, was a, um, an unmarked cemetery that uh, was built over and um, there were homes and yards all through the area where the cemetery had been and everyone in the neighborhood you know saw people who were in that cemetery in their homes the whole time i lived there which was several years everyone in the neighborhood would have you know uh, would repeat stories yeah i saw somebody last night and this house would have a lady in it my house had this man in it house over here had two children in it, but the whole neighborhood was haunted. And we would hear people walk around at night, or you would see people out of the corner of your eye. And we just kind of all agreed, yeah, you know, if we talk about this, the whole city's going to think we're crazy. So we just kind of kept it to ourselves during the time that we lived there. Did you move because of the neighborhood and the haunted house? No, I loved my house. (laughs) And I, um, I had a had a large yard, and everybody, you know, everybody there loved the neighborhood. It was kind of a of an eclectic neighborhood, and we all loved living there. And they never did anything to us. You just would get these chills um, and see see somebody out of the corner of your eye occasionally, but they mostly just stood around. I don't know if they knew what was going on or understood what was going on, or they were just there. Um, but uh, everyone in the neighborhood dealt with it, and I'm sure, you know, some people are going to hear this and, and know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, and, and you hear stories like that, you know, and I've traveled and lived in a lot of cities across the country, and uh, I've heard stories like that in many other places where cemeteries have been built over or things like that. There's definitely a neighborhood in Dothan on the north side of Dothan Country Club's golf course. There are many stories. And what made you so interested in, like, learning about all the different histories of these ghost stories? Was it just something that you liked when you were growing up or that intrigued you? Yeah, um, it's something that's always intrigued me. You know, growing up in the area, um, I heard these stories when I was a kid. You would hear them. Because I've always had an interest in history, I've always been interested in what's the real story behind them. And those stories are sort of like a 100- or a 200-year-old game of telephone where people, you know, the story twists and turns with each telling and with each generation that retells the story. And so I've always had a fascination with trying to go back and see if I could find out if there's any truth behind the story 
and then to find out what the real truth or what the original version of the story was. And so that's a fascination for me. I also have a fascination just with folk culture and folk stories and to uh, preserve, you know, them and try to find the, the original version of them. I enjoy uh, doing uh, story, I do storytelling at Landmark Park sometimes, so I enjoy finding the oldest versions of these stories that I can find so that when I do the storytelling, I'm telling the stories the way that our grandparents or great-grandparents first heard these stories. That's a lot of fun to me to kind of take people back to the original versions of, you know, of these tales but also to, to tell them a little bit of the real history behind the story. I like hearing about all the stories and ghost stories because I'm not originally from here, so it's nice learning all about things that have happened 100, 200 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And, and the same thing with me. I mean, as I moved around the country, um, and I had, a, I had a career in broadcasting, and as I would move around, like different places that I worked might be in, you know, in a building that was 200 years old or an old mansion or this or that, and you would encounter these ghost stories. And so it was something that, as I traveled the country in my career, I carried with me. And so that made each new town fun to learn about, you know, for me. And, um, and, it, and it's something that just has followed along with me through my life. I enjoy sharing it, and it's a way to um, help people enjoy the culture uh, of the area a little bit and, and to spark a little bit of interest and and you see people who five or ten years ago uh, told one of these stories to, who now you know have have picked it up and, and it sparked their interest, and now they're off pursuing these stories too now, and, and that's that's fun, and it, and it's a way of preserving preserving our culture and preserving bygone days, I guess, and it's a way to remember these people that these stories are about because these were, you know, living, breathing people at one time, whether they're, I don't know if alive is a way to describe them now or not, but they're still with us, and so their life was interesting or their death was interesting enough that for some reason they're still with us, and that intrigues me too. I definitely believe in all the ghost stories because At my job last year, we definitely experienced a ghost or some type of spirit at work on a Friday night. I like hearing about the stories. I just don't like living it. (laughs) It just freaks me out. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you there's a there's a one of the uh, buildings in Dothan where I worked uh, definitely had a ghost in it. It would come out at night to play and the overnight producer there would occasionally, you know, be locked in the netted bay in the back before the night was over. This would happen at different places all over the country. I will say anyone who, whether you believe in these things or not, depends on whether you've encountered one of them or not. And what they are, we can all debate. But uh, whether they um, are real or not is, is just a matter of having encountered one of them. Yeah, one of my coworkers, we told him about like our ghost story that happened to us at work last year. He's like, oh, no, it's not real. Well, something happened at work, I guess, at night. And he's like, I believe I'm not staying here late anymore. And I was like, see, we weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are, um, you know, they're definitely something to it. And um, like I said, I don't know what it is, you know. And I said, uh, whether they are thinking and, and real entities, whether they are demons, um, as in the case of the paranormal pig or you know, whether there are multiple explanations, I don't know. 
but there's definitely something to it. And I said, our our grandparents and our great grandparents and our ancestors wouldn't have told us that this, wouldn't have told us these stories were real, you know. That's and true. and that's kind of the way I look at it. There are definitely places all around this area, you know, with these stories attached to them. I guarantee you, if you sit in a room full of people, as I do out at Landmark Park occasionally, if you sit in a room full of people and you say who here has had something that you consider an encounter with a ghost, you know, three-fourths of the room is going to raise their hand. Yeah, that's definitely true, whether we want to admit it or not. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And most people will admit it once you get them to, once you get to talking about it and they start to relax about it. You know, almost everyone has a story of some type. And that makes it fun too, just to sit around and talk about them. And I said, it's a fun thing, but unless you're in the middle of, of dealing with one of them. And I think there are different explanations for different types of things. But I said, if there's something that's truly frightening, my best advice to someone is to get out of there and quit messing with it. Yeah, I will never live near a cemetery. I just, I could not live in a house mm-hmm. that is haunted. <laughs> I've lived in several, um, <laughs> in Savannah and in Columbia, South Carolina, and in several other places. You know, most of the time, once you settle into it, you, you stop seeing them or they stop recognizing that you're there or whatever. But when you have a visitor is when when the visitor starts noticing them. But after you settle in, then there are uh, you get used to whatever it is, or it gets used to you, you don't notice it anymore. But whenever someone is new there, it is when they tend to appear, or when you first move into a place is when they when they tend to make their appearance known. As long as they're nice, that is fine. But as soon as they're <laughs> doing mean things, no way I'm out of there. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, you know, and I said the stories have been around for thousands of years, so, so whatever they are, they're out there. Well, if you ever have any more stories that you want to tell us, definitely come back on the podcast. I'll be happy to. And uh, if you ever want to come out and, and um, explore some of these places, um, let me know. We'll go out, go out and see some of them. I've got my business partner, Rachel, and I would be happy to take you out and show you some of them. So. Yeah, I'd be down for that. As long as you guys are with me, I'm not exploring these alone. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty good about it, and we uh, we take friends out, and we, we show them some of these places. Hurricane Michael the last couple of years, and this year, you know, the pandemic slowed us down a little bit. But we like to take people out and, and show some of them show some of them off. And in fact, uh, Bellamy Bridge, every now and then we take different groups down there, or we uh, guide tours down there for free just to just to uh, let people experience it at night and we volunteer out there so we're we're happy to show it off and some of the other places too so we're happy to help people who'd like to see some of them yeah i definitely want to check that out especially bellamy bridge yeah and bring your recorder because very strange things happen out there and i will tell you the really interesting thing that happens out there is the uh, you you will pick up electrical pulses out there and we've had um, an electrical engineer look at it, and he couldn't explain it. And what happens is there is a, just a random electrical pulse uh, that will move through the air. And you can't calculate the time. It will happen in the daytime or at night. It doesn't happen on a regular interval. And there's no source of electricity within one-half mile of the bridge which is an abandoned bridge um, down a nature trail. No one has been able to explain it yet, um, other than that it happened. But they have been able to pick it up and to verify it on numerous occasions. And it probably has something to do with the, with the blue lights that are you know, being seen out there. 
but what causes it, uh, we can't explain. And I'm sure it has to do with whatever the creepy feelings are and whatever it is that people are seeing and photographing out there. Once things dry out, come along and we'll, we'll take you out there and show it to you. For sure. I'm definitely going to take photos, too, <laughs> if that's allowed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell people, if you take 30 photos out there, I guarantee you, you will get a ghost in your shot. Good. I want one. <laughs> Just in the photo, yeah, not in real life. Yeah. You know, if, if, you don't, if you don't get a ghost, you get your money back. Now, the tour is free, so, you know, that's a pretty easy guarantee. But if you don't get a ghost, you know, when 30 photos, I'll be surprised. I've never had anyone tell me they didn't uh, get something weird in a photo and 30 photos out there. It's a pretty neat place. And we've had, we used to, prior to the hurricane uh, two years ago, we did Halloween ghost walks out there. And we hope to restart those next year after some more repairs are done. But uh, we've had as many as 1,300 people go out there um, on those walks, and everybody, everyone on one of those walks got something weird in a photo. So that's saying something. And hopefully by next October, by October 2021, we hope to have that, that going again. And those are free, so everyone keep that in mind for next year. And then if you don't see ghosts, it's your money back. Exactly. You get, you get every penny back, <laughs> yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all these stories with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And anytime you want to know some more, just give me a call. Awesome. Thank you, Dale. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 1, The Haunting of the Wiregrass. Brought to you by The Radio People.